Chapter Eighteen of Aunt Jane's Nieces on the Ranch by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Eighteen, Laces and Gold. At four o'clock in the afternoon, Patsy rubbed her eyes, yawned, and raised her head from her pillow. Dear me, she sighed. I'm tired yet, but this sleeping in the daytime is unnatural. I wonder if Beth is awake. She went to the door of the adjoining room, opened it, and found her cousin dressing. Do you suppose anyone else is up? she inquired. See there, replied Beth, pointing through the window. Patsy saw. Mr. Runyon was seated on a garden bench in earnest conversation with Mildred Travers. Didn't he go home this morning after the excitement was over? she asked. No, replied Beth. Mr. and Mrs. Hahn drove their car home, but our interesting neighbor at the north, Mr. Bull Run, declared there was nothing at his own ranch half so enticing as a bed here. He's a bachelor, it seems, and leads rather a lonely life, so Arthur gave him a room and he went to bed. But it seems he has had his sleep out and is indulging in other recreations. Patsy was eyeing the couple in the garden. Mr. Runyon seems to have struck up a friendship with your young protégé Mildred, she observed. Yes, answered Beth. You know he was shut up in the wall with her and Inez for a while, and the adventure must have made them feel well acquainted. Wasn't that imprisonment a most peculiar thing, Patsy? Very peculiar. I haven't had much time to think about it, for as soon as Toodlums was safe in Louise's arms, I went to bed. But it occurs to me to wonder how Mildred Travers knew so much of the secrets of this absurd old house, and why she ventured to explore the hidden rooms in our absence. Put that with the fact that she lived in these parts as a girl, and with her eagerness to come out here, don't you remember her fervent thank heaven? And it seems the whole mystery isn't unravelled yet, it's only getting more tangled. Beth was thoughtful for a time. I'm sure Mildred will have some explanation to make, she said presently. Don't let us judge her just yet, Patsy, and I advise you to get dressed, for there's Louise wheeling the baby, and perhaps everyone else is downstairs but us. Louise and baby both slept all through that awful night, remarked Patsy, again yawning. No wonder they're up and around and looking bright and happy. But she took her cousin's hint and dressed so rapidly that she descended the stairs only a few moments after Beth did. Uncle John, the Major, and Arthur were in the court, smoking and sipping coffee. The events of the past night were still being earnestly discussed by them, and much speculation was indulged in concerning the rooms in the hollow wall, and the uses to which they had been put during the pioneer days when Cristobal constructed them, and even afterward when his son, the last owner, had occupied the premises. The entire ranch, said Arthur, as well as this house, was sold by the executors appointed by the court, for it seemed that Cristobal had no heirs in this country. The money was sent over to Spain and divided among a host of relations. The executors were discharged, and that ended the matter as far as the law is concerned. But I am sure the secret of the wall was at that time unknown to any, for otherwise the furniture in those narrow rooms, some of which is expensive and valuable, on account of its unique carving, and the bins of wine and other truck, would have been sold with the other personal possessions. 
I bought this place of a man who had purchased it at the executor's sale But never has lived in it all the rooms were stripped bare which goes to prove that the hidden recesses in the walls were unknown now the question is do I legally own the contents of that wall or don't I I Stepped into the rooms this morning with the others, but merely glanced around a bit said mr. Merrick I've an idea you might rightfully claim whatever is there the value of such old odd pieces is arbitrary and They wouldn't total enough at an auction sale to bother about My idea Arthur is that you remove whatever you care to retain Stop up the rat holes and then seal up the place forever. I Suppose remarked the major those hollow places in the wall were of real value in the days of wild Indians and murdering highwaymen But as John Merrick says they're of no use to anyone now, but rather a source of danger Was that door left open asked Patsy yes, and I put a brace against it so it couldn't close and shut us out replied arthur that doesn't matter mildred knows the way in said beth the whole trouble was that inez closed the door behind them and they couldn't manage to get out again mr merrick sipped his coffee reflectively that girl said he ought to explain how she knows so much and so little and what was she doing in the secret rooms added the major she'll do that piped a high voice and in sauntered mr. Runyon and sat down to pour himself some coffee I've just left miss uh, uh, Travis and she has decided to tell you all her whole story frankly and without reservation and Then she wants to ask your advice whose advice demanded Arthur Everybody's advice she asked mine a little while ago, and I told her to put it up to the crowd the poor thing has had a sad history and there's a bit of romance and tragedy connected with it But she has been quite blameless. I haven't known you people long But I'll bank on your generosity and fairness and that's what I told the poor girl Where is she now asked Patsy in the garden with mrs. Weldon and Toodlums. They'll all be here presently The little group remained silent and thoughtful until Louise entered wheeling the baby in her cab and followed by Mildred Travis The nurse's face was white and troubled But she had acquired a new attractiveness for the reason that her eyes had softened and were now pleading instead of defiant Inez came running from the nursery to take baby, but Louise would not let little Jane go Although she had escaped much of the past night's misery thanks to dr. Knox's quieting powders the young mother was still unnerved and liked to have the child where she could see it so Inez sat on a bench and held Jane who was the least concerned of anyone over her recent peril and Fortunate escape the court was shady cool and quiet Those assembled eyed Mildred curiously and expectantly so that she was really embarrassed at first Beth who felt in a measure responsible for this waif of a great city because she had been instrumental in bringing her here Gently led Mildred to a beginning of her story by asking a few questions that afforded the girl an opening The entire party listened gravely to the recital for only Inez among those present had ever heard any part of the strange tale before Mildred told practically the same story she had related to the Mexican girl the night before but went into more details and explained more fully her girlhood acquaintance 
with Senor Cristoval. He was an unusual man, said she, aged and white-haired, as I remember him, and always dressed in white flannels, which threw his dark skin into sharp relief. He lived alone in the house, having but one manservant to do all the work, cook his meals, and cater to his slightest whim. Miguel Zaloa, said Inez in a low voice. Cristoval was not popular, said Mildred, for he loved money so well that he was reputed to be a miser. It was this love of money, I think, that induced him to go into partnership with my father in his illegal smuggling enterprises. Cristoval furnished the money, and when my father had slipped across the border with his bales of rare laces, they were hidden in the hollow wall until they could be forwarded to San Francisco and sold. And this brings me to a relation of my present interest in this house, she continued. When we escaped from California, a large lot of very valuable Mexican laces, which belonged exclusively to my father, was hidden in the wall. The sale of a former lot of smuggled goods had resulted in a large profit, and Cristoval had received a bank draft for the amount, one half of which was due my father. When we last saw Cristoval at San Bernardino, before we left for New York, he promised my father to cash the draft and send him the proceeds. This he never did, although he advanced my father at that time a sum of money from other sources to pay our expenses until we could establish ourselves in the East. To avoid suspicion, my father always allowed Cristoval to bank the partnership money, drawing on the rich Spaniard from time to time for what he required. Father told me that altogether Cristoval owed him nine thousand dollars, besides the bale of laces, valued at ten thousand more. He wrote many times to demand his money, using a cipher they had arranged between them, but his letters were never answered. I know now that Cristoval died soon after we went to New York, so whoever got the letters, being unable to read the secret cipher, of course ignored them. Just as Leighton was being taken to prison, the last time I ever saw him, he told me to find some way to come here and get the money. He said that if Cristoval was dead, as he then suspected, the secret of the wall was still safe, for the old man had vowed never to disclose it. He thought I would find the laces still hidden in the wall, and perhaps the money. Did you look to see while you were there? asked Arthur Weldon. Yes, there is no evidence of any property that I could rightfully claim. It was a strange recital, and a fascinating one to those who heard it. Who would think, said Patsy, that in this prosaic age we would get so close to a real story of smuggling, hidden treasure, and secret recesses in walls? It smacks more of the romantic days of past centuries. We must not forget, replied Louise, that of all our numerous states, California has the most romantic history. It wasn't so long ago that the Spanish Don flourished in this section, and even yet it is more Spanish than American, except in the big cities. As for smuggling, added Runyon, that is going on today, as merrily as in the days of the famous Leighton, if on a smaller scale i've some choice cigars over at my ranch that have never paid duty and i've an order with the smuggler for more so after all there's nothing very astonishing in mildred leighton's story the wall we have practical evidence of 
said uncle john i suppose it will hold its secret rooms for many years to come for these adobe dwellings are practically fireproof and are built to defy time but about mildred's fortune cried patsy don't you suppose it is hidden after all some place in the wall from what i have heard of cristoval said arthur in a reflective tone he was not considered a dishonest man but rather miserly and grasping my father explained mildred trusted him fully until we went away and could get no answer to his letters the old spaniard was very fond of me also and he would hold me in his arms and say that one day i would be a rich lady for my father and he were both making my fortune i was very young as you know but i never forgot that statement suppose suggested the major we make another and more thorough search of those secret rooms we will do that replied arthur promptly it is too late to undertake the task tonight but we will begin it right after breakfast tomorrow morning inez i wish you would slip down to the quarters and ask miguel to come and help us tell him to be here at nine o'clock the girl nodded gave the baby to mildred and stole quietly out of the court End of chapter 18